Hello and welcome to episode 274 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm definitely not affiliated with that bloke on Twitter, Andrew <laughs> RP. And with me tonight is League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? The thoughts and opinions of both people on this podcast have been approved by League Freak. Yes, yes. <laughs> Indoctrinated. Oh, man. So much so. Okay, if it wasn't for you, I never would have started using Manscaped. You know what? It's a movement now. Everyone's jumping on board. We've seen lots of tweets from people saying that they've purchased their Manscaped products. Um, it, so what you do, here's the deal, right? You go to manscaped.com and you can buy anything on their website. I'm talking anything. But when you go to checkout, if you put in our exclusive code, which is NRL, you get 20% off from free shipping. And today I'm going to tell you about the magic mat which are disposable shaving mats. Now, what they look like is they kind of look like an old newspaper that you put on the floor. And it's it's to keep everything basically in the one place when you're doing your manscaping and then you chuck the mat out if you want, you know. It's just up to you. They're $4.99. You get three of them. They're disposable. They're recyclable. They're, well, they're made out of recycled paper, I should say. They're dual purpose because they're entertaining, but they're also practical. And, you know, we're all going with the Pappenhausen this this month. I don't know what we'll do next month, but we're going Pappenhausen this month. And so you've got to do that with your Manscaped products. So manscaped.com, put in the code NRL, 20% off, free shipping, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Everybody should actually buy two of those so then you can have two rows of three, you stand in the middle. That way you deal with any hair that may stray forwards or backwards or left yeah. or right. Whereas if yeah. you've only got three, if they, if it strays forwards, it's going into that no man's land of carpet or tiles. Exactly, exactly. Two of them, stand in the middle. You know, Sweet you, ass. you don't want it falling on the carpet, on the tiles, in someone's food. You want it to fall on this mat. You ah, know? That's what it's there for. Exactly. Yeah. There's been a lot of news in the rugby league world. Yeah, it's uh, it went from being a, a quiet couple of days. I feel like we did the last podcast, and it's like, oh, yeah, quiet couple of days. And then today, it was just news upon news upon news. Like, we could, probably could have done three podcasts yeah, with how much sh- happened today. Shit has gone crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, let's get with the big story so far, and that is the, uh, the St. George of Dragons 30 hours ago decided they were going to try and see if they could register Israel Folau. Mm-hmm. Um, but before the NRL could, you know, wade into the discussion and figure out whether they're going to let him play or not, Dragons obviously saw a lot of the um, anger on social media mm-hmm. and said, yeah, you know what, this is not worth it. And so they backed out of it. Yeah, they pull out game strong. Very, um, very much strong. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think Israel still still contracted to the Catalan Dragons. I'm not sure. I know he definitely had a one year deal, but did he have a one year option after that? I, I've got a feeling he may have done. Okay, but be, um, apparently because, the the rule is he's still keen on trying to get into the NRL. So yeah, I would guess that it's. I mean, if you're not from Europe, it's got to be a little bit difficult to get yourself back over there and reestablished and everything with all the COVID rules in place and stuff like that. So I'm actually surprised we haven't seen more players 
try and get out of Super League deals and stay in Australia. I mean, we saw Ben Teo do it from Rugby Union. Uh, we saw Sonny Bill Williams do it from the Toronto Wolfpack. Um, it, this was clearly a, a move of the Dragons, you know, putting one up the flagpole, seeing what the reaction was. And the reaction, at least on Twitter, was very, very negative. I know on um, on Talkback Radio, it was it was pretty mixed. There was a lot of negative stuff. I know in the media it was almost 100% negative. So, and obviously the Dragons have said, look, it's not worth the hassle. Um, what do you think is Ralph Falau being allowed back in the competition or not is up to you. I think he's an idiit. You know, I, you know, we've said he's that, stupid. Yeah. We've said it several times over. He's an, yeah. he's an utter moron. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just... I don't know. Like I, I said the other day, from a talent point of view, he would have been a good addition for the Dragons, just from a talent point of view. But I don't really care what happens to Israel Folau, and I think the no. best thing for everyone is for no one to really care what happens to him. Like, it, it, it just seems boring to me at this point. Yeah, it is. And that's why we'll move on. Yeah. Um, so we'll stick with the Dragons because the other bit of news that came out of there was, was I think, two days ago. Mm-hmm. They've decided to let their most wholehearted player and captain, Cameron McInnes, go at the end of the year, and he's going to the Sharks. Um, now, this is a deal which I believe was three or four years all up, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I also can't see why the Sharks would sign him because Blake Braley is an immensely better hooker already, and he's got many years on him as far as youth. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the amount of improvement that Braley had just last year alone when he got to be the, you know, the number one hooker at the club. What we saw at the end of the year was a leader of the club, not just, not just on the field and directing play, but also a leader in their attack. Um, everything just started to roll through him. And, you know, when the, when he was playing well, the Sharks were winning games and, uh, in that last finals match, Braley scored a try right on half time, mm-hmm. which gave the Sharks the lead when they went into half time against, I think it was against Canberra. Mm-hmm. But he got injured in the process. He was that committed to scoring, though, that he kind of knew he was going to get injured because his leg was caught up in the tackle. He kept busting anyway, and he got over the line and got the try. But he didn't come back from the second half, and Canberra ran over the top of the Sharks and won the game, and that was the end of the Sharks' finals campaign. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. It's a like McGuinness is gonna he's twenty seven now, so he's basically in the prime of his career. Um, there is a feeling he can play in the back row as well. I mm. think he's overrated. I've always thought he was overrated. I felt like he was one of those players where he's playing in a, a terrible St George Illawarra team, and people are like, "Oh, this guy, this guy," and it's like this guy. You know, he's he's looking all right in a team that's rotten. And when I saw that there were there was a lot of talk that he was not happy with the new coach, the first thing I thought to myself was like, it, this guy hasn't actually done anything in the game really. And so, and before the podcast, you and me were talking about it, and I was like, I got to look this guy's win percentage up. Now you said you just guessing that his win percentage was about 51%. Yeah. I kind of agreed with you. I thought that it wouldn't be good, but he would just be over 50%. We looked it up. His win percentage over his career is 43.85%. Yeah. 
Now, any player that's win percentage is that low. I don't care what they think about the coach. Shut shut the fuck up and do your job, you know? Because the fact is, and I'm not a big support, like I'm not pushing the barrel of the new coaching staff at the Dragons, but they haven't coached one single game yet. So I don't want to hear from any of the losers in that team if they like the coach or not. They should all hopefully hate the coach at this point. I hope he's flogging the shit out of them because they all deserve it because they're a bunch of fucking losers that need to pull their heads out their asses and stop thinking that, you know, they know what to do to win games because they clearly don't. Especially when you consider that Anthony Griffin, the Dragons coach this year, has won 55.5% of his games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 12% better. Yep. You know, I just don't, I don't want to hear from these. And we've seen it before where you sometimes get loser players that they get upset with the coach and it's like, shut your face. You know, if they were winning games, I'd be like, you know what? These, these good players, they know what they're doing. They've, they've achieved a certain amount. I mean, Cameron McInnes, he hasn't done anything. No, look, I will come in for him. Okay, on one little thing here, and that is, he's he's a he's a solid player. Like when I think of him, players in the past, the first one that comes to mind is John Morris. Like he's not going to, you know, John Morris at hooker. I will stress. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about John Morris at halfback. Mm-hmm. That was a horrible idea, Tim. <laughs> um, John Morris, you know, solid, reliable defender. Good, pretty good service off the deck at dummy half. That's pretty much what you get. Um, apparently the Sharks are thinking of trying to move him to lock. Mm-hmm. McInnes only wants to play hooker, naturally. Yeah. And my thoughts on this was, if the Sharks needed a lock, why don't they just go and buy Elijah Taylor when he's still around? Because he would have been, A, cheaper and would have done the job better. Because all, the, all they're pretty much getting is a bloke who can make lots of tackles in the middle, which I can understand that John Morris would want to do that because the Sharks' middle defence has been largely atrocious in 2020 and even in 2019. Mm-hmm. So getting a good defender in the middle would be a good idea. I don't know why you get Cameron McInnes to do that job. He's a no. hooker. You'd, you know, he'd be better off going to somewhere, somewhere like the West Tigers or the Bulldogs, perhaps, or something like that, where they actually need a genuine starting number nine instead of trying to use makeshift ones or ones that have got a history of being injury-prone. Um, so I don't get why the Sharks signed him, especially when they've got plenty of good young forwards anyway who could fill in at lock. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, it feels as though he is, you know, you, you look at their younger players, they're all pr- they're pretty damn young, a lot of their young players. Um, it feels as though by the time that they have turned into really seasoned first-grade players, that McInnes would be towards the end of his career, really, as a hooker. I mean, there's not many hookers that are really hugely effective beyond the age of 31. Um, You know, you get your outliers like a Cameron Smith, but they're very few and far between. You even look at the likes of, say, Danny Badiris, who probably was going down as the second best hooker of all time. I mean, he fell off a cliff at a certain point, and it was in his early 30s. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought I was just disgusted by the way that the new 
St. George coach was, was thrown under the bus like that. I thought it was, it showed a lack of leadership. I think it showed a lack of class. And yeah, it, it just pissed me off. It, it really did. I did see a very interesting tweet made earlier about it. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, for Cameron McInnes, it's looking at his coaches that he had when he's been at the Dragons. Yeah. And McGregor said, Cameron, don't change anything. You're perfect just exactly how you are. <laughs> and then Dean Young and Shane Fleming got in there saying, yeah, we think you're getting in the way, but you're not that great. Let's just move you to lock. Yeah. And then Anthony Griffin comes in and says, yeah, you're not that great. And Cameron McInnes replies with, I prefer McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, you're gone. Well, do you remember there was a point, I, I remember this really clearly, where under Matthew Elliott at Penrith, the players apparently really liked him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it and it was about like, how much they liked him. Yeah, and, I man, I used to blow up about it because I was like, you fucking losers like the coach. And, like, and it, it just felt like, you know, a good coach, you should, there should be an element of fear. There should be an element of wanting to gain their approval. There should never be a thing of like, you know, I really like this guy or I really don't like this guy. You know, it, it just seems as though a, a good coach, I mean, you look at Craig Bellamy when he's going off during the game. He's an absolute prick to be around. But everyone at that club knows that it starts and ends with him. He gets the results. If you do what he says, you will be a winner. You are most likely to be a premiership winner. So shut up and do the job. Now, obviously, Hook is not that sort of coach at that sort of level, but he's a pretty damn good coach. And he's won a damn sight better percentage of games than Cameron McInnes. But he's a good bloke. Yeah, you are you saying that you don't want to have a good bloke as a coach? It, you could well, have. Could you imagine yeah, the the amount of good times you could have if you went out just for a beer with with uh, with old mate Matty Elliott? He's a good bloke. <laughs> All I can think of saying right now is, imagine you go out and have a beer with Jason Taylor. What could go wrong? <laughs> hey, at least you know you can hit him in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh uh, well, what else have we had? Um, well, there's big another big story during the week is that Boy Cordner is set to miss half the year because of concussion-related um, issues. I guess is the way to to word it. Yeah. Um, the Roosters are seeing if they can get a salary discount. I guess against him for missing half the year. Mm-hmm. Um. And obviously, everyone's going off about you know Broncos and uh, sorry the Roosters and this salary cap. You know, if he misses half the year because of salary cap stuff, I don't care if he gets a discount or thing like that. I'm fine with that. But I think Cordner should probably see this as the writing on the wall, and he should, for his own sake, more than anything else, he should just retire because take the concussions aside, his form alone has been pretty poor the last two years. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's because of the concussions. Not just, you know, constantly missing games and not getting a chance to to play big bunches of games together to build that form up, but also the actual neurological impacts that it has from taking all of those hits that he's had. Because mm-hmm. we noticed that his, his handling started to drop away a bit. He'd, he'd miss, he'd drop, drop catches he'd normally always take. 
Um, and he refused to find a better way to do hit-ups and tackles. He just kept going, you know, to his credit, mind, 100 miles an hour in everything he did. He just threw his body into everything. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's at a stage now where he genuinely needs to consider hanging up the boots because I hate to think how much worse he gets if he gets in one or two more knocks. Yeah, and, you know, it's not like he has things left to achieve in the game. You know, he's, he's won a premiership. He's won an Origin Series as the captain of the Blues team. Um, you know, there's nothing left for him to prove. And as you say, his form has fallen off. He looks like a play, so at, at some point forwards look like they've just been run down from the collision side of the game. And when you, and he looks like that, but when you add in the head knocks and how easily he is getting head knocks, it's a real concern. Um, I just think he should retire immediately. The Roosters get that salary cap dispensation because his concussions come in the State of Origin series. Well, the last ones anyway. And because it was in rep games, they can apply for that. I've got no problems with that either. Um, but well, yeah, it's I, the I, same I, thing that the Bulldogs got for Kieran Foran when he got injured when he made his return to Test football and got injured after about fifteen minutes. Yeah, and it's it's fine. Like you know, the clubs have to have something in place like that um, for allowing their rep players to take part in rep games. The alternative is they don't want their players in rep games, and we don't want that. But yeah, Boyd should. I really do. I think he should retire, and I understand why he won't until he really, really has to. Because you're retired a long time, and especially in know, this game. Yeah, and he look. He's a he's a competitor. They all feel like they're ten foot tall and bulletproof, even when they've been knocked out, even when they're not playing well they still feel as though they're that star player. They feel as though he still fit, 100% feel like the New South Wales Blues captain. And I get that. But I think that that's when his, his circle, his immediate circle should say, listen, Boyd, you had a good career. Leave before you need to rather than too late. Exactly. Well said. Um. Now, there's some great news for Cohen Hess. It's, uh, it's looking like Paul Green's going to be the Maroons coach. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Cohen Hess had the worst game for a, a State of Origin player ever, I thought, in the last series. Remember, he played at X number of games, and I think he made one t- uh, X number of minutes in, I think it was game two, and he made, like, mm. one tackle. It was yeah. disgraceful. Yeah. I don't know what's more disgraceful is like that he made one tackle or the fact that the New South Wales players didn't run at him enough. I know, right? Who's to blame there? <laughs> <laughs> That's just bad coaching on for um, Brad part. Yeah. I I don't know. I've not seen anything from Paul Green to suggest that he is a great coach without having a great player on his side. And given that he doesn't have Cameron Smith or Cooper Cronk to help him out, I'm, I'm worried that this... Queensland team might become a bit pedestrian. I don't know that those words might come back to bite me on the ass, but I'm willing to go with it. Because Green has not shown that he's much of a tactical coach. So I'm not too sure what he's going to bring to this team. It's weird that Queensland have had that 
coaching position shuffle around. Um, Wayne Bennett did one of the great coaching jobs in this last series. And I can understand him saying, look, that might be my coaching masterpiece. I, I'm good now. Find yeah. somebody else. But it is strange that it's shuffled around since Mal Meninga moved on to the Australian job. Um, I'm like you. I, you know, Paul Green doesn't really fill me with any sort of dread as a New South Wales supporter. But, you know, who who are the alternatives if you look at Queensland? Well, they've got a ton of alternatives. The problem they've got is they they decided that they want to have a Queenslander as their coach. Yeah. Um, hasn't always been the case. You know, back in the 90s, they had Kiwi Graham Lowe as their coach. Yeah, that was a bit strange, hey? Yeah, but he did a reasonable enough job. No one seemed mm. to be too upset about that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure they can find other coaches because your you job at this level is more mentoring than anything else. Yeah, and, and Mal Meninga really has shown that. Like, Mal Meninga, you can say what you want about him as a club coach. He wasn't that great. But as a representative coach, he he just knows what's needed. And it, it really is. It's almost like an overseeing, mentoring role, um, making sure the players mentally are in the right place going into a match. And, you know, they've really missed that for the most part, the Queenslanders. And it's something that New South Wales has really had a problem having that sort of thing. Let's be honest, since Phil Gould's days as the coach. Yeah. Um, and that look, we're going back many, many years now. Yeah, that's definitely so, mid-90s. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – it's interesting to me that that Queensland job – and I think that it's – there's a lot of it is people looking at the Queensland available talent, and it's not like when they had a super team. I'm sure there would have been every coach applying for that role under when they had that super team. But now they're in a little bit of a rebuilding phase. I think it's one of those roles where they've just got to sort of take who's available, and that's Paul Green at the moment. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Now, we've got one big story here now, and this is there's been quite a bit of talk in the last few days from Peter Vlandis that the NRL is going to expand to 17 teams in 2023. Mm. We've got a year. We've got one one new team coming in. And it's looking like it's going to be a team based in Brisbane. So it's not expansion, you know, by by genuine definition. It's just another team in Brisbane. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. There's, there's, yeah. a, there's a market there. Why not tap into it and get a bit more out of it, apparently? Um, so the, the words come out that the Brisbane Jets are going to be, you know, trying to be, I dare say, the front runner for, the, for this geek. Now, the Brisbane Jets is the Brisbane Bombers, run by Nick Livermore, who we've had on on the podcast, mm-hmm. and the Western Corridor bid, which would be based in Ipswich. So I'm not sure if it's the actual Ipswich Jets, or I, they're I, just borrowing the Jets name. I don't, I'm not too sure on that one. Yeah, I, it, it is. It is. And, okay. um Yeah, it, they'd be based in Ipswich. There's talk that the, uh, the Walker Brothers would be the first you know, coaches of the club. Um, obviously, they've been pretty successful in the Queensland Cup. This feels, you know, and I was talking a little bit to people on Twitter today about this. Um, 
you know, now that Peter Volandis is pretty certain that he wants a team 2023, he's obviously got the green light from the broadcasters. And, you know, all of the different Brisbane teams are lining up. And all of a sudden, when you saw that the Bombers and the Ipswich Jets are coming together with this one big bid, this kind of felt like they were going to be the front runners. I want to reassess all of the bids because there's been a lot of changes just this week with a yeah, lot of them. I believe there's only two others left, and that's the Redcliffe Dolphins and the Brisbane Firehawks. The Firehawks, yeah. Because we used to have, I'm pretty sure we had four. Yeah. But now, now with the merger of the Western Corridor, Ipswich Jets one, and the Brisbane Bombers, should be down to three now. Yep. And, you know, it's... It's going to be really interesting. I feel as though they would need to give the green light to the winning consortium before June 30. So not so much so that they can lock in players for next year because obviously they're not playing next year. But I, I think what it would allow them to do is to offer contracts for that year after and then allow those players to play for another NRL club. Some of them will be able to play for Ipswich in the Queensland Cup, I guess, but um, I feel as though they need that extra time. You wouldn't want them to be getting the green light a year out. You know, I think that they need that extra little bit of a year and a half. Yeah, especially to help get um, you know, like corporate sponsorships stuff like set up as well. Mm-hmm. You want to see that that money's coming in, and, um, yeah, it's going to – it's it's – you know they're building their brand, so to speak. So when the, when they do come in, they're not just surprising. Everyone's known about them, and there's a bit of excitement around them, which will help bring in the crowds as well. Yeah, yeah, so. and it's this really does. It feels like a almost a best of both worlds situation where you may talk to Nick Livermore. Um, had a great conversation with him. I think that we both sort of felt like that was the leading bid um, with him and the Brisbane Bombers, Bombers Consortium joining up with Ipswich. It just feels like it covers every base now. Um, I, I, It's going to be hard to beat, but I do want to sort of read up what is on the table from the other bids first before I say they're the leading one. And look, we're going to try and get Nick Livermore on here. He's going to be very busy over the next couple of weeks, I would suggest, with media commitments. But, and it, you know, that's not even taken to, into account the work that he does to, to you know, behind the scenes to make this sort of stuff happen. Um, but we'll try and talk to him as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, so he, he did come out with a quote today saying that, that um, what was it, we aim to pick up existing rugby league fans who aren't Broncos fans and just as importantly, that huge catchment area in Logan, Ipswich and Toowoomba. Um. I believe the Broncos have Redcliffe as their feeder club. I'm not sure on that. Um, they've moved around a bit. They used to have mm. several several teams as their feeder club. They've now narrowed it down to one. Yeah. Um, and I'm, something tells me it's Redcliffe. I could be wrong. Apologies if I am. Um, so if that's the case, then I suppose there's a good chance that the Brisbane Jets may get up so that the Broncos feeder club doesn't get impacted and the Broncos, you know, further on from there don't get impacted either. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that relationship between the Broncos, because as you say, the Broncos wouldn't want to lose a feeder club 
although they they could switch pretty easily, and we've seen oh, yeah. them do that a lot of times. But if you're the Broncos, you don't want to lose what you've got. And, you know, it could make for a really interesting situation. I'd love to know who the Broncos would prefer or if they have any preference and who the broadcasters prefer and if they have any preference. Um it's going to be really, really interesting to see them all manoeuvre. And I think you'll know when it's getting close to a decision when you're going to start seeing the different bits critique one another publicly. Yeah, like a little public stoush between the, the teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah like your hair stinks and you look like poo and that sort of stuff. It'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> um the All-Stars game, they've named the teams for the All-Stars lineups. Yeah, look, I, I haven't seen them. Um, oh, let me go through them for you. Okay, okay. So the 20-man squad for the Marys, um, going from fullback down to the bench, we've got uh, Charles Nickel Klockstad, Dallin Wateni Zalesniak, Joseph Manu, Dylan Walker, don't know how, Remus Smith, Jerome Luai, Jerome Hughes, Jesse Bromwich, Brandon Smith, James Fisher-Harris, Britton Nakora, Kenny Bromwich, Joseph Tappany, on the bench, Jeremy Marshall-King, Kevin Proctor, Nelson Asfa-Solomona, Jordan Rickey, Patrick Herbert, Bailey Simonson, and Benji Marshall. Holy crap. That's I, I've seen a number of Maori teams named over the years. That might be the strongest one. That's unbelievable. It's got a fair bench on it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Ford, fair forward pack on it too. Oh, the forward pack is, man, that that forward pack is ridiculous. It's insane. Um, and for the Indigenous All Stars, mm-hmm. they've got Latrell Mitchell, Blake Ferguson, Jack Whiten, Jesse Ramian, Josh Adokar, Cody Walker, Jamal Fogarty, Andrew Fafita, Ruben Cotter, Josh Kerr, David Fafita, Wade Graham, Tyrone Peachy. On the bench is Alex Johnson, Jermaine Tanua Brown, Cade Cust, Chris Smith, Tyrrell Fuimaono, Josh Curran, and Brian Kelly. Damn, they're strong too. Holy uh, crap. Very strong. This and is going to be a good game. From everything I've seen so far, it looks like Andrew Fafita's lost a few kilos. Yeah, yeah. And look, he, he was really honest about it. Uh, he, he said, I think he, he called himself, and I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't complimentary. Yeah, he, he basically fat-shamed himself. <laughs> yeah, I think he called himself a fat mess or something. Yeah, that's and, pretty much I think. And look, you and me talked about it a lot last year that he looked like he was carrying too many kgs, but you could understand it because his knee was, a, I mean, it was a problem all year. He really didn't get a chance to to train and play the minutes that he used to playing. But I hadn't heard too much about this All-Stars game until the last couple of days I felt I thought that we were going to see both teams a little bit weakened, but listening to them teams, man, I cannot wait to watch that one. That's, That's going to be, be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be good. That's at the um, the Cow- new Cowboys home ground on February twenty, so sixteen days away. Yeah, and I I think that they're going to be able to have a pretty damn good crowd up there too because they haven't had any of the Rona up there. I haven't heard about that. Um, you might be right. Mm. I mean. We hear about Rona everywhere down here in Melbourne. It's all the rage. Didn't something happen? Like, I I don't know what's happened tonight in Melbourne, but didn't your uh, Premier say something? He he had like a 10pm press conference. What did he say? I I didn't see it. So I've I've 
asked a few people around. So basically what happened is I think one of the people in charge, no, one of the people involved with one of the tennis players from Mm -hmm. the ATO, uh, so Australian Tennis Open, um, I think one of them tested positive to coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And earlier today, someone in the hotel, which is at the actual airport, so if you come off a plane, you go straight to that hotel and you're quarantined there. Apparently someone got the UK version of the virus there, mm-hmm. despite the fact they didn't see anyone. And they uh-huh. reckon it may have traveled through the air when the person bringing up the food had the doors open. Because apparently this new English version can travel further through the air than the original version. Wow. So they think that's how the, the other person got it. So now they've locked down everyone that was on that floor and everyone's yeah. been, you know, nasal tested for, for the Rona. So we'll find out the results from that in the next day or two, I guess. Far out, eh? Yeah. So apparently it's back to face masks um, when you're inside in a public setting, which should apparently have been removed. And they had a 75% capacity on sporting venues. I think that's been paused and it's going to be back to 25 or 50 or something like that. Now I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So, tentative steps. Nothing too serious at this stage. Okay. Um, but everyone's just sort of on edge. Far out. Well, yeah. hopefully they get it under control quickly because we've been very lucky in Australia and, like, up here in New South Wales, yeah, it's, it's been, I think, about a week we've been able to go around without masks, which has been good. Um, but, yeah, it it'd be good if they'd get the vaccine out here quick enough, eh? Hey? Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Who knows where it is? Hopefully yeah. Craig Kelly's not in charge of it. <laughs> See, I don't know what he was talking about today. Oh, I missed he's, all he's that. A, he's, a, he's a bit, bit loopy. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to go any further, but he, he's a bit off his fucking chops. No, I, th- I think you should embed rock. Tell us what you think <laughs> about everything. <laughs> Tell us what you think about daylight saving. Oh, don't, mate. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> Oh man! I make one one jerky tweet. Everyone thinks I'm serious about it. <laughs> I can't give a fuck about daylight saving. <laughs> oh shit! Twenty twenty is great, hey. Oh, it is. Um, this is it. Apparently, the Melbourne Storm are planning for life without Cameron Smith. Yeah. Well, <laughs> considering they've got. Without Cameron Smith, if Cameron Smith is is retired, considering they've got two of probably the best five hookers in the game still at the club, including, I think, arguably the best one still, like, yeah, I, I think they're fine. Yeah, they're they're more than fine. Yeah, yeah, I think th- I feel like that planning is like I'd like to know if there's ever been a case. Mm. And this can be for any position on the field mm-hmm. where a team has had one of the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. an international from another country, mm-hmm. and possibly one of the best future hookers or future players all, all, all in the same team at the same time, all in the same position. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be a hooker, just any position. You know, I'd like the, to know if that's ever happened before. The only... I feel as though it's... The only team I can think of that probably had situations like that were those great Dragons teams who 
they had so much talent and there was, you know, any time somebody started to get towards the end of their career, along come another, you know, potential all-time great. That's the only mm. situation I can really think of that maybe was, okay, here, how about this one? Um, the, the Canberra Raiders go from Gary Belcher to Brett Mullins, maybe? Yeah. Um, you know, that was a pretty good passing of the torch there. I think at the same time, Bowman went from Gary Jack to Tim Brasher. Yep. Yep, that that's was a gold boot player to a you know future test player as well. And did they have? Oh, just trying to figure if they had an English fullback at the team at the same time. At the um at the the Tigers. Yeah, I think I'm getting mixed up with one of their halfbacks. I guess. Thinking from a Penrith point of view, and there was look, there was a bit of a break between Alexander and Gower. I don't rate Gower that highly, but he was a pretty damn good um, replacement halfback. Um, mm. It is a good one to to ponder. Yeah, maybe Cause... that's one we could do a whole episode of. We can sort of sit <laughs> down and put our thinking caps on. It'd be like, a whole episode of us going. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 42 minutes later. Oh, I think I've got one. Oh, how about this dude? Oh. Uh, yeah, no, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. See, these are, these are the questions you and me normally put to one another, and we will spend, like, we'll go on a deep dive where three hours later we're looking through Rugby League Project and finding, like, like who Glebe had coming to the team. and <laughs> <laughs> Exactly right. Um, oh, I could almost go with the, the Gary Jack Tim Brusher one and yeah. throw in Sean Edwards because he did play one game okay. at, at fullback. Oh, did he? Yeah, for Great Britain against France. Okay. That that's is a, a, that's a horrible effort, though. Yeah, that's... That's a weird one. I never yeah. would have ever thought of him as a fullback. What were they thinking? Well, they were playing France. Yeah, true. They won fifty to four, so it's not like he was a bad idea. What about okay, let me oh you know who has potential is you go from Billy Slater to Ryan Pappenhouse. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You you went from Robbie Ross. Billy Slater. Was there somebody in between there? I don't, don't think so. Was Matt Guyer in there? No, he was playing more than the house, wasn't he? Yeah, he kind of put... He was doing centres, then a little bit of 5'8". I can't hmm. remember anyone between those two. Let's have a look. This is great. This is great audio, this is. Yeah. This is this is what we really do. This is what we really do most of the time when we're on talking <sighs> Skype. Part of the website's broken. I've got to go through a different a different backdoor. Oh, damn it! We all know about backdoors. Yeah, typical. <laughs> Position. Just careful. <laughs> uh, four only. Okay. Well, we could go with 
uh, Slater, Gareth Widdop, Pappenhausen. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I Pappenhausen, oh, you know what? Jerome Hughes was there too at fullback. Yeah. And Cameron Munster. Yeah. Uh, Greg Inglis. Man. So that's some good quality. I know, no, right? It's crazy. They've had 24 players play, play at fullback in their entire history. Do you reckon that's high or low? I'd say that's low. You know, I, you know, the thing is, though, you think of someone like a Greg Inglis, right? Like, he could, I mean, and he did. He played a number of different positions. And then, as you say, Matt Guyer, he had to go there, but he was another one, could play a number of positions. Monster, obviously, another one. Jerome Hughes, another one. Like, Ross was a, a a specialist fullback. Slater really was a specialist fullback once he moved off from the wing. Pappenhausen is now a specialist fullback. But they, they have had an embarrassment of players that can make a fist of playing fullback and do it, like, pretty much at an international level. Oh, yeah. Um, so just a comparison... Melbourne Storm had 24 players to play fullback in their history, so that's since 98. Yeah. In the same period, Penrith have had 31. Okay. And you... Let's have a bit of fun. Four of them have played 50 games at fullback. Okay. Come on, who are they? Okay. Since 98. Reese Wesser. Yeah, he's at the top with 170. Yeah. Um, Okay. Still and Edwards got there yet? He has. He's got 56 games. He's number four. Okay. Wow. Um, Two more. Neither of them are at the club now, but they are still playing football. Oh, they're still playing? Mm. Oh, man, because I was going to uh, say Peter Jorgensen, hey? No, he only got 45 games. He was at number five. Okay, okay. They're still playing. Yeah. Uh, Lachlan Coot? Yes, he's had 67 games. And, ooh, this last one's going to be a real tester. Um, oh, uh, Wittini Zelezniak. No. Oh, okay. He only played 20 games there. Okay. Um, he's uh, he's just two games behind the uh, the coffee salesman up on the Gold Coast. The coffee salesman, man. It's got a kick. <laughs> it's um, got a kick. Watch for the aftertaste. Oh, uh... No. Number two, 81 games of fullback. 81? I bet when you tell me it's, I'm going to be kicking myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still in the NRL. They're still in the NRL. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not him. Oh, I feel so bad about this. Okay, who is it? Matt Moylan. Ah, that makes me feel dirty. <laughs> wow, he played that many games at fullback for us. Yeah. Wow. There you go. That's a bit surprising to me that he played that many games at fullback. Yeah, well, they always had decent halves around, didn't they? I, you know, I guess I think more of him as a fight, like, because by the end I feel like he was more of a 5'8 for Penrith. Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't do kick returns, so of course he was a 5'8". Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, I I have fun with this. This Paramount is a said, real insight into what we're normally like, hey. Paramount has had 28 halfbacks since yeah. 98. We, we've, we, oh my God, that's, <laughs> that feels like a lot for halfbacks. Yeah. Since yeah. 98. Yeah. Wow. Let's, let's not go down that path. I'll end up with the West Tigers and go, oh, the West Tigers have had 93 people play fullback <laughs> since 2012. <laughs> <laughs> They've had 744 centres. Yes. <laughs> all of them who were back for hours. And they all played at least three games at five eighth and two games at hooker. Yeah. <laughs> Name all of the West Tigers wingers that were over five foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> it could run a hundred meters in under twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Name all the West Tigers wingers that were under one hundred and twenty kilograms. <laughs> Bo Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Job done. Ahmed Bajuri. Who else was there? Nick Bradley Kualalawa. Oh, man. Uh, surely that's got to be it. Daniel Fitzhenry. I think I'm yeah. done now. Fitzhenry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what about the greatest kicker in history? Nah, he had to be over 120 kilos. Have you, you reckon? Did you see how slow he was? Uh, he Well, he ran like someone that was about 140 kilos. Yeah. He, he ran like molasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it was funny when he when um when luke cavill actually left and went to the sharks so many people were upset about it oh he's a great goal kicker you have a look at his goal against that so with that flash what were his goal what was his percentage oh, i was like 70 odd percent or something isn't it weird though like when you think of the great and and i guess it all changed really with talligan right and matthew ridge but you think of the great goal kickers kind of before their era, and you look at their percentages, they would not get close to being a first-grade goal kicker now. Oh, no. I mean, Mel Manning is always a classic one. A lot of people would think that he was a, a great goal kicker because you know, he kicked at club, state, test level, that sort of thing. Mm. But, yeah, his goal kicking stats were pretty average. Yeah, yeah. Um, 61.66% for, for Mel in his club career. Yeah, so that you just—if that was your goal kicker now, people would say that you don't have a goal kicker. Yeah, which is really interesting. And like you look at, like I think that Nathan Cleary's percentage last year was absolutely absurd. You know, um, it, it's it's really interesting how the goal kickers are just getting better and better and better. Well, Cleary actually had his second worst season last year with goal kicking, but it wasn't exactly atrocious. What was it? Seventy-eight point nine percent. I f- see. I feel like he must have fallen off towards the end of the year because there was one point in the year where I feel like it was in like the high eighties. I probably was. I mean, last twenty nineteen, he kicked at eighty-seven point eight eight percent. Wow, that's good. He only, he only missed eight of sixty-six attempts. Yeah. Um, 2017, 90% kick, kicked 92 of 102. Man. That's just nuts. So up, his overall career goal kicking records at 83.5%. Between that and how good he is at making TikTok videos, I should have given him the King of Rugby League award. I really should have. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't, to be honest. I'm quite surprised with that. He's, I, the way I see it, He'll win half a dozen of them anyway. Well, this is true. This is true. 
Now, have we had any emails? Uh, let me have a quick look through the... Oh, we ha- I haven't seen any in the main email account, but let me have a quick look on the Fergar and the Freak website. If it would load quicker, I wouldn't have to pretend that I wasn't... Okay. Oh, we do have one. Ooh, February nice. 3rd from Liam. Good on you, Liam. Thank you, Liam. Hi, guys. Exactly. Hi, guys. I found an interesting bit of footy trivia that I don't think many people remember, and that is that is in the one game played between the Melbourne Storm and Adelaide Rams, they played for a Southern States Shield slash trophy or whatever it was called to try and create some sort of rivalry. My question is, do you guys know about, I guess, it, and other obscure trophies that clubs have played for in a regular season match. And if you could create a trophy for two teams to play for to make a fake rivalry, what would you call it and what teams would play for it? And then he says, the less sense it makes, the better. And he says, mine would be the Panthers and Tigers play for the Ivan Cleary Shield to commemorate the absolute fiercest and most long-standing rivalry in the history of all of sport. Thanks for the content in the off-season, guys. Great work. That's a really good one, Liam. That is. You know what? I'd have a, a Panthers versus Tigers one, but it'd yep. be a salty spud. A salty spud award. Yeah. It'd just be a potato yeah. with a salt shaker above it. So it look, look like it's suspended in the air, I guess. Mm-hmm. Pour and salt on the potato. That's all it would be. That's what they'd play for, and Penrith would win it every year. Yeah. and Or... Because they just own the salty spot. What if the lo- the losing team, somebody from the losing team has to eat a giant bowl of super salty mashed potato, <laughs> and I mean, and though, and every single time, uh, Ivan Cleary is just waving in their face. You could, you could give them all kisses. Yeah, blows blows them kisses. Yeah, That's just good. They, they eat the bowl of mash, and he gives them a. Uh, yeah, blow some kiss. God, well, that sounds very friendly for a rivalry. It really does. <laughs> um, as far as past ones goes, there's a few out there at the moment. I think um, Manly and the Sharks play for the Steve Rogers Shield. Mm-hmm. And I think the Sharks and the Dragons have one as well. It might be the uh, Monty Porter Cup or something like that. I've never heard of that one. Don't, yeah. the, don't the Eels... And Bulldogs play for the Bandage Bear Cup or something like that? Well, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's something along those lines. They tend to try and have a, a cup named after a player who played international footy for both sides or something like along those lines. You know, always a legend for both clubs. Yeah. Um, which is why when Manly play the Roosters, I'm surprised they don't play for the Bob Fulton Cup or something like that. No, they may do, but I've not heard of it. Um. The only one that, from a long way back, mm-hmm. that used to be played for was the Agricultural Shield. Mm-hmm. And this one worked in a unique way where if you won if you won the, the premiership three years in a row, you got to keep it. All right. And the Roosters did that in 1913. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Daly Messenger was given it because he was a staff for the Roosters at that time, and I think he might have retired at the end of 1913. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got involved in a, a bit of a wrangle with the New South Wales Rugby League, and they tried to get it back off him. 
Oh, really? I think they had it for a while too. It's interesting um, when you look into the history of trophies and and shields and stuff in rugby league. Like you would think that for the most part, these things would be in really uh, like looked after in special places and stuff. But for a lot of them, they get passed around and lost and refound, and it's kind of strange. Yes, mind you, one that couldn't be lost from the past is the Goodwill Trophy. Oh which was designed by the French, I believe. And it was given to the best test nation at the end of every year. Mm-hmm. And this thing is essentially a large table with an immense fucking cup on it. <laughs> um, it's so big, it's got four handles around the side of it, so people could actually lift it up and cart it around. It is immense. Um, a lot of these trophies, I don't, this is the thing, I don't know if it's still open or not, but a lot of these trophies are actually at the NRL Museum. Mm-hmm. But... I, I heard it got um, temporarily shut down a few years ago, and I've never heard whether it was back open or not, but they've got a lot of trophies there. Um, I, they've got the old AMCO Cup there. They've got the original Super League trophy. It was only in play for one year. Mm-hmm. They've got the many different incantations of the Winfield Cup, the Optus Cup, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think the Gilton and Shield gets displayed there occasionally. The NRL trophy's there. We talked um, about the uh, the City Cup as well a number of episodes ago. Yeah, I'm not. I can't remember if that one's there or not. Um, the other one that's I don't think is there is the Endeavour Cup. I think that might actually be at the Sharks Leagues Club because they won it in the the last year they that it was on. I don't think it left the club. They don't display it, so it might be in a, like a broom closet somewhere because that's how teams actually <laughs> store trophies these days. I mean. Most people know about the the fable, or not the fable, the stories about the uh, the the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's been on a hell of a journey. It's been lost a few times. Got lost in the mail when it came to Australia once. Someone um, found it in the ditch and thought it was a wrestling trophy once. Yeah, I think it got found in a, a loft in England. It had been sitting there for ages. Someone <laughs> found it at a tip somewhere, I think, in the UK. It's it's had a fair old journey. That thing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> It's yeah, we, we just get a trophy and just go, eh, fuck this thing. <laughs> it's really weird. And, like, <laughs> like I I um, saw one that the uh, the West Tigers actually have a few months ago now, I guess. Is that the seventh trophy? No, it was the, it was the Premiership Trophy is one in 2005. Oh, and one. Yeah, yeah. Had a look at that, took a picture of it too. Um, but it's not like it is in like a leagues club or anywhere it's in their offices yeah. so it that was a little bit strange well you know couldn't find a place for it just put it on the front counter somewhere next to the business cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> they probably um, put the business cards on it so, you know use a business card order a paperweight or something <laughs> half the staff they weren't even at the club when they wanted what is this brown thing i reckon if you had half a mind I reckon you could spend not too much money and make offers for trophies that are really important in the game's history and get them really easy. Oh, absolutely. Like, I reckon you could go to certain clubs and say, look, this old trophy you've got back here, I'll give you 100 bucks for it. And they'd say, oh, yeah, good, get it out of here. It's making, you know, it takes up so much space, I'm sick of it. And it ends up being like, you know, some great trophy. It's been documented in really important pictures and things like that. 
They're like, yeah, we'll give you 20 bucks for it. Yeah, like I reckon you think of all of the World Cups we've had, the different versions of them in between the real one getting lost and found and stuff. I reckon you could buy at least one version of a World Cup trophy for a thousand bucks. There's a few of them out there. They yeah. go pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, which clubs do you think should have a, a, a trophy for a rivalry? A fierce rivalry. Well, what about um, the local derby between the Brisbane Broncos and the North Queensland Cowboys? And you could call it the Irrelevant Cup. <laughs> so maybe the the uh, the Josh Maguire Eye Gouge Cup, <laughs> sponsored by OPSM. Exactly. Um, you could have. I mean, finger the, in the eye cup. Yeah. Well, you could have a, a trophy between the Bulldogs and the uh, Broncos that come out of last year, and it could just be a golden turnstile. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't actually stand in place. It just constantly just spins around oh, like a I've windmill. Got I've got one. I've got one. You have... Okay, I'm trying to think of someone they could play for it. But the Dragons, they propose a trophy called the Humanitarian Cup. <laughs> I guess the Bulldogs for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. What about the? What about just trophies you could award teams like? Um, <laughs> Straight away, the West tra- Tigers are getting a nine. Yeah, they just get a golden nine. Yeah. <laughs> what about the a golden needle for the the fucking sharks? I don't know. Maybe the Knights have taken that over. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they could play the Knights for it. There's an idea. What about a what about a, a a trophy that is made of bronze and it looks like a burning pile of books and it's played between the Bulldogs <laughs> and the the Melbourne Storm. You can have a, a tri series competition and have the Raiders in there as well and Parramatta. Yeah. Make it a quad series, put power in there too. Yeah. After the Raiders I mean, let's face it, the nineteen ninety grand final should be awarded to the Penrith Panthers. Yeah, although they basically played against two teams. Exactly. Disgraceful. Why uh, you, they beat them in the second year. You know what? I just thought of one. You mm. could have the Penrith Panthers and the Dragons play for the Matthew Elliott Memorial Shield. <laughs> Penrith will just phone in a bye, won't they? Yeah, that's okay, Dragons. You can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else could you do? Um, oh. The West, the West Tigers, and the Cowboys could play for the Tim Sheen shuffled deck chair trophy. <laughs> what? What? Okay. What about the Manly Seagulls and the Bulldogs play for the uh, the PVC seat? The, <laughs> The Trent Barrett PVC seat award. The Trent Barrett Memorial Chair Award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Whoever wins it has to give it back to Trent at the end of the day. Yeah, he, yeah. He always has to take it home. It's like after everything's done, yeah. he loads it into the back of like, you know, whatever well, car he drives. I'll have an official ceremony. We go there and says, "Give me back my chair." Yeah. 
He puts it, <laughs> puts it in the back of his uh, <laughs> Toyota Supra and off he goes home. <laughs> okay, what else have we got here? This is good. I'm enjoying this. Um, um, but with the, oh, no, the Panthers have the West Tigers one. Yeah, who are we missing? Oh, well, the Warriors, and they could play. Who else are we missing out on? The South Sydney Rabbitohs. What could they both play for? Um, Bondi. Just Bondi. We'll both try to be there. <laughs> They've got a lot of residents that live there. They could play for the the uh, Isaac Luke Trophy. Play for both of them. That's true. The Cannonball Trophy. Why Cannonball? Wasn't that the tackle he made famous? Was it? Yeah. Ah, I can't remember that. Like the other people that don't before, but I think he got he got suspended longer than anybody else for it when he hit someone in the back of the knee. I loved watching Isaac Luke when he was at the prime of his oh, career. He was phenomenal. Oh, and like the, his ball running was sensational, but his defense was just absolutely crushing. He was he just, it was it was the best hooker in the game, I think, for a little while there. Yeah. No doubt. Um, the Sharks and the Tigers could play for the Bo Ryan. I don't know. That's what it's. That's exactly what it's called. The Bo Ryan. I don't know. <laughs> the Bo Ryan who gives a shit award. The Luke Covell Golden Boot. <laughs> At least, yeah, I think Covell actually played for New Zealand as well. Did he? Uh, I can't remember that. What about the? <laughs> what about the Bryce the, Gibbs uh, Cup? What about the the Todd Burn fucking concrete boots <laughs> cup between the Warriors and the Roosters? Yeah, that's not a bad one. Yeah, when he won, when he won for the the oldest rivals. See, yeah, the two. Not... No, I was gonna say the team, the two teams that have been around the longest and have never ever had to uh, leave the competition. So it'd be. The, the Roosters and the Bulldogs. Okay. Um, How about the... Um, the the Bought Not Bread trophy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I Yeah, that's where they've both gone. Exactly. Isn't it funny how, like, there was a while there where Bulldogs fans were upset at the Roosters about the fact that they bought their entire team and then you kind of looked at the Bulldogs and you're like, have you got one local junior in this side? What yeah, the fuck are a, you talking about? You bought a war from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah, who was it? South. No, I can't think of anything for South. They're not. They haven't, they haven't got a long enough history. They've only been around since 2003. Oh, shit. <laughs> and is that your official stance? <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you say some controversial shit, Mr. Ferguson. Um, not, not me, not ever. <laughs> That's just to wind up the South fans. What, what, are, what other ones could you have? You could have the Jeffrey Eccleston, is that his name? Edelston. Edelston, that's it. Jeffrey Edelston um, Wedding Gift Award. Just get, And you just give it to the... To the sharks because they were a wedding gift, almost a wedding gift. Wow, 
I, I, I count that. If you, There's no way you can discount that but allow them to keep their premiership trophies. Well, you can because he never actually gave the club any money for it. I know, but then... They, went, they almost went broke because of it. I tell you what, that's one of the best deals I've ever got. Yeah, that was one of the smartest moves. Yeah. He went. I think he went and... Oh, no, he bought the Sydney Swans just before he bought the Sharks or tried to buy the Sharks. All right. Yeah. But the, the club was still... The club still went through the uh, embarrassing media circus despite yeah. no money ever getting exchanged. That's right. They they got embarrassed and got no money at the same time. Mm. Yeah, and then didn't make the finals either. Well, you know, that feels very sharksy. <laughs> it was in the 80s. Yeah, this was... This oh, I guess this, this was at the very beginning of uh, E.T.'s career. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it would have been. It would have been about four years in. He did start yeah, as a yeah. teenager, so I think it was about four years in. Yeah, I think people forget how long his career was. Like eighty-three to two thousand, I think. Yeah, like that. That's crazy. Yeah, it was something like that. He he did start in eighty-three. He had an immense career. That was the funny thing about him is he started out as just this electrifyingly fast winger, mm. and then became this defensively strong and very brilliant center. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever going to get the recognition he deserves. I think uh, a lot of people overlooking just because we've had so many genuine all-star all-time great centers. He's just in the next list down. He'll never get moved up any higher than that. And I, I think the thing about him too was like, he was, he was a rep player. Like, he was one of those guys who, even when you had, like, you know, Meninga and Renoff, you would be like, oh, you get him on the wing for Australia. Yeah. He was just, he, and for New South Wales, I mean, he's one of great, New South Wales' greatest ever players, I think. Yeah, you could put and, him on and, the wing, put him in centre, put him at fullback. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. great in all of them. He, he was a really, really good player. It's, uh, it is weird how some of the game's best players, they they just get forgotten a little bit and there's no real reason for it. No, and that's that's why, without going down that rabbit hole again, um, why recency bias needs to be eliminated when discussing who should be the next Immortals. We should wait a decade or so before we start having that conversation. See how much yeah. we remember those players when they haven't had to watch them for 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And that's like you think of... You think, like, if you line up, say, Eddinghausen and Renoff, okay, pick either one of them and you're going to get literally one of the one percenters of all time in terms of your centers in the game's history. Oh, yeah. But there's a reason why people will still talk about Renoff rather than E.T., and it's because it might have been a half percent between them. But damn it, that half a percent that Ranoff had was just like watching magic. Oh, he was, that's the thing. ET was a master of several positions, and I think that may have hurt him in the long run. Mm. But um, Ranoff, the thing about Ranoff is that he was such a risk, even without the ball in hand, because he was such a magnificent intercept mm. um, you know, exponent. Uh, and God, how many long-range tries did you see him score in his career? 
Yeah, well, like that one he scored in that the grand final against the Dragons, that really summed him up mm. because it's like you give him just a sniff and he is going to run the length of the field. And it, it's that thing of like, I don't care about what your times are when you, you know, you, you're at preseason training, stick a ball under your arm, stick your headgear on and put boots on and no one's catching Steve Runoff. Nope. And they never did. No. Uh, over 100 tries in a near 10-year career. He didn't have a very long career. Did everything he needed to in it, though. Yeah, yeah. Went, and then went over to Wigan and, and had a pretty good time in Wigan as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He just dominated everything he did. That's just who mm. he was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good email. Yeah, really good one. Thanks for that, Ian. Yeah, send some more in. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah, on that note, I think we've pretty much wrapped it up, haven't we? Yeah, it's been a really busy day. Hopefully, rugby league settles down tomorrow. Yes. Now we've got some. Uh, we've got some additions to our socials. Oh yeah, some very important ones. Um, we like to keep up to date and current. Yeah, we're up there with the kids. Yeah. We heard. We heard what you guys are doing, and we've now got ourselves. Get ready for it. A MySpace page. It's been a while. It's like us and Justin Timberlake. That's it. And some other bloke. We've nailed it. We're all over that MySpace shit. Um, You know know what I noticed? mm -hmm. Tom Tom wasn't our first friend. Remember Tom used to be a first friend on MySpace? Has he given up on it? I don't know. I I know he sold it. And he made a lot of money on it because I remember seeing somebody tweet to him saying, oh, you didn't make as much money as like a Zuckerberg and stuff. And he was like, dude, I'm a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Yeah. He doesn't even need it. No. Um, so yeah, we've got a, we've got a MySpace page. It's a Virgo Freak Pod. We're keeping it simple. Yeah. We don't know how to use it, but it's there. It's there. It exists. We've also got a SoundCloud page now. Is it SoundCloud? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So um, we started it. it. It should have all the latest episodes on it going up automatically, and hopefully it all works. So if you're using SoundCloud, um, you can always flick over to that now if you listen to us on something else. So, yeah, we just want to make sure we're available on absolutely everything. Yes, Um SoundCloud didn't like the fact that we had um, six and a half years worth of content to upload. Apparently, you can only put 180 minutes. <laughs> we kind of blew that out of the water. So, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. They'll get used to us. That's right. I'll be expanding that shit soon. Yeah. Um, as always, we're on um, Instagram. We're on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. So make sure you check us out there as well. Got our own website too, Freaky. We do. It's called FergoandTheFreak.com. And if you go there and you want to send us a little bit of feedback, you click on the contact section. There's a form comes up. You just fill it out. Boom. Done. It is as easy as that. Um, Make sure you also give us a five-star rating and and a positive review on your podcast listening device and uh, we'll read it out on the podcast and we'll post it up on our website as well. Yeah, we want to hear 
your really nice reviews. And if they're completely irrelevant but nice, we love those ones. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. They are fantastic. They're the best. Um, possibly someone who knows how to use MySpace. Yeah, do something. Yeah, like Get in touch and show us how to use it. Yeah, send us messages or um, – I can't remember. It's been so long. I just remember – I used to have a MySpace page where it played an ACDC song, TNT, and the first note used to scare the shit out of people when they go to my MySpace page. <laughs> yeah, well, we managed to update the logo and the background paper. That was it. Yeah. So there you go. That's all we need. It's just advertising. Yeah. Um, if there's any other social media accounts you think we should be on, let us know. I know Bebo's coming back. I saw someone talking about that. Don't even know what that is, but let's get on it. Yeah, I never had Bebo, so. (laughs) Who knows what that is? Um, And also, big thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped. Make sure you go there, buy anything you want, anything at all. Go to the uh, the, uh, checkout, type in the code NRL. That's our gift to you. You'll get 20% off. And remember, it's Pappenhausen month. Oh, yeah. You've got to go to the Pappenhausen look. We should we should run a competition, hey? Who's got the best Pappenhausen? Yeah, yeah. Our bag's yeah. doing the female section. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, we've been through that already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, check them out, support them, buy their stuff. That's fantastic gear. Uh, Freaky loves it. As you know, he talks about it every episode. Not because he has to, he just loves it that much. They don't even pay us money? No, they do. (laughs) But they're fantastic. We love them. They love us. It's been a match made in heaven, really, hasn't it? It has. Can't argue about that. Mm. And uh, on that note, I guess we can wrap this one up. Yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, thank you too, Andrew. Thank you, Freaky.